Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. I got my good buddy Eric Most. He's in studio with me today. Eric's, you know, he's been one of the sponsors of the show since the very, very beginning back in April of 2013. Eric Most with Most Insurance. Find him online at mostins.com. Eric and I are going to discuss the radical church life. We're going to talk about David Platt's book, Radical, and really just dig deep into what does it really mean to be a Christ follower and talk about how that impacts and makes healthy churches and healthy Christ followers. Eric Most, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, thanks so much. Glad to be here. Grateful for this opportunity just to spend time with you, Jim. Yeah, you know, too bad we can't just like be, you know, in shorts and a t-shirt throwing a football around. We're always on the radio and we never get to spend time together. Ever since you had your son this year, all of a sudden you got busy. Yeah, yeah. Life, life, life changes when you get a toddler. <laughs> You know, I think that that was just the, the coolest part ever is that your 2015 really was radically changed mm. by the impact of Hudson on your yours and Jackie's life. Yeah. What a privilege it was for you two to become parents. And so talk about talk about the impact of becoming a father and how it's impacted and really shifted your paradigm when it comes to your walk and your faith with Christ. Sure. Um, 
you know, I think uh, there's a, a, a gravitas to being a, a father. I threw that one out there just for you, Jim. <laughs> Can we look that one up? Whenever uh, I've heard that used, it always, you know, refers to other things. So I don't know. You, you go ahead. Tell me what. Tell me what. No, nah, I mean, there, there, there's a weight to it, right? I mean, you you um, uh, you become a husband, and there's a there's a weight to that, and, and knowing that that we're to be the spiritual head of our family. But then when you add in a, a child as well, uh, I think it it, it creates uh, even more weight and dependence upon Christ. And um, so uh, so reminded this year already in uh, my need and my family's need for me uh, to be locked in with Jesus Christ and to, to not uh, be wasting my time on things that don't bring him glory and, uh, and, and really to be uh, um, diligent in my time in his word, uh, in time of prayer, because uh, it is quick uh, uh, without the dependence on Christ in my day-to-day operations and day-to-day life. It's easy to, uh, to get frustrated or, or, or <laughs> so many things. Uh, so, uh, having Hudson um, truly has, I think, added a, a bit of gravitas, uh, weight, gravity to, uh, to 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 my life and my desire um, to uh, to see God glorified in my life and in my family's life. You know, we named Hudson after the missionary Hudson Taylor. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a missionary to inland China who spent his life so that others might know Christ. Um, making it into the inland China, which nobody else had done. And, uh, and, and it is our hope that, that Hudson uh, most would, uh, one, be a Christ follower who would live his life for God's glory above all else, and that he'd also spend his life for God's glory and for the joy of others to know God and so uh, know what it is to be in right relationship with him. So there's a, there's a gravity, you know. I know that oh, I absolutely. can't manufacture Hudson's faith. Um, that's a work of God, the Holy Spirit drawing him to salvation. But we uh, uh, parents are given uh, a command to raise your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so uh, that is my longing to do. Well, he's your number one mission field, uh, yeah. and, and that's and it's the greatest privilege ever to be a father. I mean, great, being a husband is awesome. Being a father and that mission field of raising a kid to love the Lord. Wow, what a responsibility. All right, Eric, we're talking about, well, you wanted to talk about healthy churches and healthy Christ followers. And and you're, I know the premise is we need more of both. Why? Why is that such a passion for you? Um. <laughs> It's a passion because um, I think God it calls like us to be. Question, you know? Okay. Um, uh, yeah, the conversation of of, uh, of the book Radical and Healthy Churches. Uh, uh, too many of our churches, uh, as I, I look at the landscape of churches in the Tampa Bay area and all over the the nation as a whole, is we have a very self centered church. We have a church that's centered on me. Um, uh, in David Platt's book, Radical, um, he makes a statement, uh, a sentence here. It says, we were, uh, we're settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. Right. It's, it's becoming, it's dying to self. And, and you, you showed me, and I wish we could have incorporated it into the show today, but you showed me a link to the video that came out with the book in 2010, which I had no idea. And so we're going to put that link out on Facebook tonight, uh, the link to the actual, uh, what would be like the promo video for the book Radical, which I had no idea. Now, this book, it's old. I mean, at this point in time, when you look at how many books I've read since that book came out, four or 500 books, does it is it still really that radical? No, I mean, it's uh, uh, ultimately... Eric, the answer, simple answer was, I was just looking for it. Eric is one of these guys, he thinks way deeper than me. I'm a simple guy. Eric, the answer is, yes, absolutely. That book 
transformed so many people. I mean, it really did. Yeah. Because it shifted their paradigms from, well, because we have twisted this, the whole idea behind, you know, our our view of our life in Christ and kind of interspersed and intermixed it with the American dream mm-hmm. as if they were both connected. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm sorry, I interrupted you because I just was looking for, yes, Jim, that book still applies. We should all be reading this book. Yeah, no, it's it's very good. I mean, what it is, though, is, is David Platt calling us to, I think, uh, Jesus's message, right? So Jesus would uh, have a huge cloud of peop- uh, crowd of people would come around him, and uh, they're trying to move him into being uh, a, a, a personal king early, and Jesus would come out and say, hey, if you don't eat my flesh or drink my blood, you'll have no part of me, and all of a sudden, everybody just goes, boosh. God, yep. disperses. <laughs> it was like, and that's what, isn't that what he said to the disciples? Hey, aren't you going to leave too? Because the 12 of them were left. You're like, yeah. aren't you guys going too? Yeah. And so uh, Jesus, if you look at his commands throughout the, the Bible, especially the New Testament, you're going to see uh, it is, uh, it's not what a lot of our, uh, our lives look like. We're not really walking in obedience to what Jesus has commanded us to do. Jesus commanded us to, to forsake our lives, to take up our cross and follow him. Uh, we think that that means uh, somebody might make fun of us in the in the workplace if we actually talk about Jesus. That's not what uh, the call to uh, a costly life is. Uh, it's not just you might just get picked on a little bit, um, or people might unfriend you on Facebook. <laughs> well, when you look at the radical life in Christ, and you look at Christianity in the United States of America, maybe Canada, it, it looks very different than Christianity in almost every other country around the globe. I mean, really, I mean, in any of the developing nations, it's different. But then you got some nations where it's absolutely a crime to be a Christ follower. Yeah. All kinds over the all kinds of places in the Middle East. All, uh, you know, the, the Soviet Union is reforming itself again. You got China, Indonesia, India. I don't know if they kill Christians in India. Do they kill Christians in India? I don't They get there, uh, They got ostracized. I know in Indonesia they definitely do. I mean, so there's... The the kind of tensions we don't have the tension against our faith mm-hmm. in this country no. right now. No, but, I don't. But this book introduces the fact that I, I mean I believe it's coming. Mm-hmm. I mean I believe it's coming. I mean th- this president has been so really anti Christianity mm-hmm. uh, in the last so many years, and like he wants to do things to help refugees out of the Middle East, but nothing about helping the Christian refugees out of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So there's a persecution building in this country, and it's mm-hmm. because of the patheticness, that, as I call the mamby-pamby, weenie-butt Christ followers of the United States of America. We haven't given people a reason to choose Jesus because we just look milk toast like everybody else. Yeah, and, and when we say radical, I, uh, I believe the people that would be listening to this radio aren't going to think of radical like some world religions where we talk about an abusive radicalness either, <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're talking about uh, where we actually walk out in faith what Christ has called us to do. It's where we're obedient to the commands of Scripture. It's where we were, we're willing to give up ourselves for the sake of others. It's when we're, we're willing to say, um, I will... Um, my decisions on where I'll work and where I'll um, live are informed by um, uh, what is uh, what glorifies God. And so I'm not just going to necessarily go after, go hard after the American dream of filling my 401k and, and doing these things. But maybe I'll actually take, uh, have my uh, promotions passed over for the sake of um, having the platform to share Christ with others, right? So I'm not calling people to uh, radicalness as in uh, radical Islam. We're calling each other people to love in a way that Christ has called uh, us to love in the Bible in a sacrifice 
sacrificial way. It's to be obedient with the scriptures to fill uh, to fulfill the great commission, uh, not to uh, not not to other radicalness that we we see today. You know, it is when we look at what Christ called us to do. He said, listen, your brothers are going to hate you. Your sisters are going to hate you. Your mothers and fathers are going to reject you. Your friends are going to reject you. And yet you hear people preach today. Listen, if you are a Christ follower, you're going to be healthy and wealthy. Hmm. And, and and Paul's like, really? That didn't work for me yeah. because I, I had to learn to be content because I Rejoicing was rich your and super and... poor. I was beaten. <laughs> I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a half at sea. Didn't sound like a wealthy life. Paul was wealthy before he met Christ. After Christ, he gave it all up. And it's, but it's taking these radical steps of faith in order for us. It's like tithing. The first time you start to tithe and you're like, really, Lord, I need all hundred percent. Now I want you to trust me with 10% of what I've given you. I've already given you all hundred percent. Trust me with 10%. But then I, what I'm not gonna have enough. It's like, that's right. You have to see, I want you to see my hand in your life. Yeah. You also asked about the healthy churches and what I meant by that um, uh, earlier, and, and and what I mean by even healthy churches or church churches. That's easy for you to say. Yeah, I know uh, churches that uh, also follow God's word, that they hold God's word tightly, not loosely. We've seen so many churches these days hold the Bible very loosely, and and they start waffling when it comes to well, did Jesus really say that? Um, uh, when it when it comes to things like. Uh, uh, how will the church respond to the new Supreme Court decision that we talked about uh, mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the year? Um, how how churches are going to respond to that? Are they going to actually hold up God's word and stand on it, or are they going to waffle here? Um, when we talk about healthy churches, we're talking about churches that, that practice um, uh, evangelism and discipleship and church discipline, uh, things like that as well. Well, and how about ministering to the community and feeding the poor and clothing the poor and actually getting yourself off being focused in your sanctuary to be focused on the community that you've been placed country in the club. middle of. Yeah, the country club mentality. Well, I just call it, we call it the sanctuary because that's what it is. People go there and, oh. Yeah. But it's supposed to be a, a place where we go get riled up and encouraged and equipped to be able to take our faith out. Yeah, it's where, we're, where and that's we what gather I work for. corporately together to worship our, our creator. Right. right, And that's okay. I mean, yep. it's, it's good. We're supposed yep. to gather on a weekly basis, yep. but we all go into difficult battle places every day in our workplaces, whatever yep. our workplace may be. Yep. And, and that's what this show is all about, is just challenging people to say, okay, I go into the workplace. When I go into the workplace, am I looking at it as a radical mission field, or am I just there to get a paycheck? Yep. Well, if you go with the attitude that you're just there to get a paycheck, you're missing it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, mean, it's great to get a paycheck. I mean, it's great to get a paycheck, but there's a lot of people that can't get a paycheck because they say they're a Christ follower. You know, in this country right now, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. All right, we're back in studio with Eric Most talking about the radical lifestyle. And and Eric, you made a comment right before uh, we went off the break. We're talking about healthy churches and healthy Christ followers. Let's just, why do you think churches aren't healthy? Well, for one thing, uh, we're seeing churches uh, die all the time. So uh, over 3,000 churches in America will close their doors th- this year and not open them and, and not be opened again. Martha and I were in Jacksonville earlier, earlier this year. We're driving down a road, going to another church uh, to see my cousin get baptized. And I drove by this monstrous Baptist church that was for sale. Mm. Probably yeah. a five or 600 seat sanctuary, big white steeple. Turned out the pastor was doing the wild thing with the secretary and it destroyed the church. Yeah. I, and I, okay. Okay. Just totally unlike. How does that happen? If you're radically sold out for Christ, 
every part about you should be changing. Yeah. Everything about it. So we're not going to focus on the negative. We're going to focus on a positive because Martha, I can hear Martha going, cup half full, cup half full, cup half full. So the churches are, some churches are really struggling. Yet you go to a really cool church here in Tampa, Covenant Life, right? Now yep. is what it's called? Yep. Right, so uh, talk to me about why, when you look at your church, why you feel like, wow, my church, I really feel like my church is healthy. Why? Uh, do you have four hours? No, we only uh, okay. have, you got just... Uh, Four right. minutes. So, a uh, member of Covenant Life Church, um, and uh, the, the, there's a priority at Covenant Life for uh, the teaching of God's Word um, in a form that's called expository preaching. So, exposing the text, taking the text, and explaining it verse by verse. There's a priority on, on discipleship at Covenant Life. Um, we think through various questions based off of what the Bible has to say. So we don't uh, come and uh, think through baptism and just say, well, well what, what's been done in the past and, and what do we like the most? But we say, what do the scriptures tell us about uh, baptism? And, that, and we allow that to inform our thoughts. Uh, Covenant Life is a young church plant, about five years old, who longs to plant other churches and see uh, other churches in Tampa be healthy as well. And so the pastors and elders of Covenant Life um, are actually already uh, getting ready to uh, next year. The hope is that we'll be planting our first church in uh, Seminole Heights, and that'll be a completely autonomous um, church plant, not not just another campus like some uh, some churches will do. Um, and we also are working with other local pastors and church planners to see, um, see, see the churches here locally be healthy, to, uh, to preach the gospel clearly, to have a biblical worldview, and to uh, teach it to, 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 to the members. You know, one of the things that I know, one of the reasons why churches are not healthy is that we don't provide for our pastors. I run into pastors all the time. Now, I'm not talking about money. They're, they're making money, but pastors— are sinners. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Nobody even thinks about stuff like that. Our pastors suffer from sin lives and so do their wives. Yet we don't allow them any latitude yeah. to have sin lives. Mm-hmm. And they can't they can't tell anybody in their church that they're struggling with a sin issue mm-hmm. or they'll get fired. Mm-hmm. Or people all of a sudden, well, you got sin issue. Well, of course he's got a sin issue. He's a human being. Yet I run into that all the time that there are pastors that are hurting and we wonder why churches are struggling because we don't give them latitude to be human. And and one of the th- most effective things I found in leading a connection group, which was, you know, we had about 200 people between husbands and wives and kids involved in our connection group for about 10 years, which is bigger than most churches across the United States, is that I think one of the most effective things I did is I just lived out my issues in front of people mm-hmm. so they could learn from my mistake and we could dig through the scriptures and see how mm-hmm. it, it talked about the fact that Christ could restore any part of my life, mm-hmm. not just certain parts, but we expect our pastors to live a life that is completely unreasonable. Sure. Uh, our pastors um, definitely feel neglected, um, constantly um, drawing from the well, uh, spiritual well, but not having um, people uh, pour into those as well. And so I definitely encourage you all to, uh, to to pour into the life of your pastor. Take him out for lunch. Ask him how he's doing, how you can pray for him. Uh, they're used to always asking those for you. Uh, a great book to read is Dangerous Calling, uh, and it's a, it's a great book for for, um, for pastors and church leaders and, and, and all believers um, uh, but, uh, just encourage, uh, it would be a, a sweet uh, thing for you to read, to be able to encourage your pastors as well. Have you read that one? I have. Okay. There's, there are some people that read almost as much as I do. And Eric would be one of those only Eric reads really intense books. I can't handle them. I let him summarize them and tell me he gives me the footnotes or not the, the, the uh, cliff notes on those. All right. So David Platt, Platt asks a couple of very key questions as he starts off this book. And he says, these are questions we should be asking ourselves. Was I going to believe 
Jesus. Even though he said radical things that drove the crowds away. And was I going to obey Jesus? His fear was that he would walk away content to settle for less than radical obedience to him, which is what the rich young ruler did. So these are questions we need to be asking ourselves. Jesus said he was God. Do we believe him? And if he's God, how does that shift your paradigm and how you look at your life today as a Christ follower? And are you going to be obedient? Because that's really the sign of a true Christ follower. You're going to be obedient at whatever the cost. Don't go away. Fast-moving conversation with Eric Most right here on I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Come, I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to equip you and empower you and give the wisdom to lead this life that I'm calling you, this radical life that I'm calling you to. Eric, why is it so many people are trying to do this on their own power? I'm not being te- taught well. You know, uh, we uh, in, in America, we're making converts in the churches that we have. We're not making disciples. And so people think that they can just do it on their own. <laughs> That is so nice background music, though, Eric. I like that. But converts, we're making converts, not disciples. That's powerful. I mean, that's true. I mean, you see, uh, we're talking about uh, churches. uh, Your big churches are getting even larger, but that's because they're very programmatic in their methods as as a whole. And we're seeing converts Uh, being made. Simpler words. They're very programmatic in their methods. They do a lot of programs that attract people in. Yes. But is it really making disciples? Yes. No, they're not making disciples. Well, some of them are, and some of them aren't. Yeah. Wait, let's not do carte blanche because it's not all of them. We're not. Okay, we no, we talked about. I'm just, I'm just making sure because Mar- the conversation Martha's was listening, as and she's going to call in pretty soon and go. You guys can't say stuff like that. All right. So David Platt asked those questions. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've been called to a radical lifestyle. First, we have to decide: Am I going to believe that Jesus is who He says He is? And if I am, if I'm going to say yes, I believe it, then am I going to be obedient to what He says? Because as Christ followers, I think we really struggle with that. Yeah. And that's what this book, Radical, is all about, is the fact that, hey, he didn't call us to the radical American dream. No. No, <laughs> a, a great study uh, to do would be to look at everything that Jesus demands. And he made a ton of demands. Um, and, uh, and and ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit to open up your eyes to see how, if you're obeying that and to see if you're walking that out, uh, and if it's evident to you. I don't that. really want to do that study yeah. because okay. that, that would freak me out. No, maybe that'd be a good idea. You know, I, I spent uh, I spent this year studying all of the all of the epistles. Mm-hmm. I had never I, I, that was my biggest struggle. I mean, I got a really great handle on the Old Testament as much as you can, except for the Leviticus because that's a little struggle. Uh, I don't. I really want to. I want to understand what the Jews understand about what the Old Testament, the, all the sacrifices are about. Okay, but so I, I understood the Gospels, and I'm a great storyteller. I can pull all that stuff into work, but I can I, from Romans to uh, uh, Revelation. I always, I just didn't spend enough time in them. So mm-hmm. this year I decided I'm going to read them all through four mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. a transformation in my heart to be able to understand and hear Paul's heart and hear it mm-hmm. over and over again. I just, I just loved it. It is, it has transformed my thinking because I decided I'm going to study it. Yeah. I'm going to study two chapters a day. And that got me through four times this year. Yeah. Wow. So, so another thing you could do along that same well, road I will, is, but is next year, maybe I'll just study the gospels and just study, Hey, what, what are demand? all, what are, what are the Jesus yeah. demand? Yeah. That'd be great. Another way as you study the, those epistles, uh, take one of them, take one of the shorter letters, uh, Philippians or Titus or, uh, or, or James, and uh, devote a month to study it. And take that month and, and, and read over it uh, three times a day for the first week, and then which, which only take you 10 minutes to, right. for those shorter epistles. Um, uh, and just read it every day, three times a day. And then uh, in the second week on, just read it twice a day. Commit to do it. And eventually, you cannot think— 
without the scriptures in your brain informing every single thing. You hear something and you're going to think you're going to hear Paul writing to, uh, to, to Titus. You're going to hear James writing to the church. And, and God's Word would really inform your, your mind and really inform your life. So uh, another way to really dig into those shorter epistles. You're one of the most tech-savvy guys I know in business today. Do you read your Bible in paper or on your iPad? So I read my Bible in paper. Uh, in church, I use my laptop, and I use Evernote, and I have logos uh, running in the behind the scenes so I can copy and paste the scriptures in. But in my daily Bible study, it's uh, it's in a, an ESV journaling Bible that I use. That's really cool. And I bring that up because a lot of the, the millennials, which you'd be one of those, and then the next generation, but they still haven't called them yet, but they haven't given a name for but the people 20 and under— um, they're, they're, they're not reading paper Bibles, but it, I just want to tell you the most significant reason why you should is for your children and your grandchildren. Let them see the notes, your doubts, your fears, your underlines, what you're, what, let them see how you wrestled with your faith in the sidelines. As you say, you've got, it's got notes, spots, a journaling Bible, and there's a lot of new Bibles that are out there that have that space and you can get them. You know, if ESV is very intense, very pretty accurate, um, you know, if you want something that's a little easier to read out loud, if you want to study with your spouse, the NLT is a, is a much newer translation. It was designed to be read out loud. Also a fairly accurate translation, a brand new translation. Again, none of them are the original scriptures unless you're reading Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Hey, so what's, what's the, best, what's the best, best version of Bible? Well, the best version is the one you'll read. Hey, there you go. You got it. <laughs> that's right. Because I that's what, because I think that's the biggest struggle. You talk about being a radical Christ follower. I have I run into Christ followers all the time who go like I, I said, Well, but you know, what are you reading in your Bible? I'm like, oh, I didn't. Said, what, how are you praying? I'm like, well, I don't really know. I'm like, seriously, how do you call yourself a Christ follower if you don't have a fervor for reading what Jesus had to say, what what our Heavenly Father had to say? Because it's fifteen hundred pages or so of life's manual. Yeah. So much, so much to learn. Every one of our patriarchs yeah. did something stupid we can learn from. Yes. You know, so many of the patriarchs, you look at Moses, David, and Paul, all murderers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, people. And they're like, and I just, I love having that conversation with people yeah. like, did you realize the guy that wrote half of the New Testament was a murderer? Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Yeah. How could he be a Christ follower? He's a murderer. I'm like, it doesn't, it, anyway, it's the radical race. transformation of Christ. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to the book Radical because mm-hmm. David Platt asks a lot of tough questions. Now he's got a monster church. He did. He's now the president of the International Missions Board with um, through the Southern Baptist Convention. But yes, he was uh, he was the uh, uh, at the time of writing the book Radical. He was the pastor of uh, the Church of Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama, with about um, five thousand members. Was he discipling people? Uh, yes. Okay. They, uh, so see, it's not all big churches. Not, okay. It's not, but, but but he actually talks about that paradigm, the struggle, because he had he'd been on uh, in in China in a secret church many uh, situation. Times he'd been there. Yeah, but but at the like precipice of this book's birth, if you will, and he came back from teaching two weeks where the church uh, in a secret church manner asked him. Uh, uh, he did a Bible study on the book of um, Nehemiah, I think, and they came back and they were they they, they the entire time they had their heads down. And it's not because they're being disrespectful or they're sleeping. It's because they were taking notes. And they said to him, uh, David, you know, David, this is great. Um, thank you. He says, but we have a problem. He goes, oh, what is it? And, and he says, they said, would you come back? Well, you've taught us this book, but would you teach us the rest of the Old Testament? And so he took the next two weeks <laughs> and they went, uh, they were going hard 12 hours a day. And he actually walked them through the entire Old Testament. 
I would have loved to have been there for that. And it, yeah, and, and you can if you go to radical.net, it's a website that that he kind of works on. He actually does uh a, something called Secret Church and it's these simulcasts that he'll take for about 6 hours. They do them over um on Good Friday now. And uh, and he'll go through and he'll walk through the entire book of the Old Testament. He'll walk completely through the Old Testament or completely through the New Testament or um, over a different topic. So check out Radical.net, huge place, a free resource of of intense discipleship-driven material. Uh, you can download stuff for free. But they came back to him his last day, and they said, there's a problem. And he had just finished walking them through the Song of Solomons, and he's like, okay, what, what's what's wrong? And he goes, well, you have told us the, you've taught us the Old Testament, but not the New. Would you teach us the New? And, and so he took the next day, and he did an overview of the entire New Testament. <laughs> In a day? In one day. Wow. Um, and, uh, and David doesn't and, talk fast either. Oh, no, he talks very fast. Does he talk fast? Oh, my goodness. Well, he's deliberate in oh, how he's he talks. incredibly fast. You and I are slow compared to David no Platt. No way. Nobody's teaching. slower. Nobody's faster you than You need him. to check it out. Um, but he um, uh, he then went home, and he had just became um, the, the lead pastor of the Church of Brook Hills. And he looks in this parking lot of um, thousands of... Fifty to a hundred thousand dollar cars parked in the in the in the driveway of of the church building, and and he was just he was just hit with this this are, are you kidding me kind of mentality, and it, and he talks about in the book radical he's not saying that that everybody needs to go and sell all they have and move to the to the grass hut. He says God may be calling you there, and if you're unwilling to do it, there might show that there's an idol there. But in in another sense, he even calls Christians to make even more money. The question is, though, what are you doing with your resources? What are you doing with your money? What are you doing with your job as you talk about uh, on the I Work For Him right, radio show? Right, because he doesn't bless us to increase our status of living. No. He blesses us to increase our status of giving. giving. And it's so often Christians get so screwed. And I just use that term because that's what I mean. Christ followers understand that it ain't their money, and they got to just ask yes. the Lord, what am I supposed to do with Christians are the people that when they get a raise, they're like, well, what can I spend it on? Yep. I'm going to buy a bigger house. I'm going to buy a bigger car. Now, sometimes that's necessary. If you have, I've got a friend with 11 kids. He needed a bigger house. But most of us, you know, a 1,200 square foot house would be just fine. It's still bigger than most people's houses around the nation, yes. around the world even. And, and we can, the impact you can make with your dollars, mm-hmm. if you could just cap your lifestyle and everything above that lifestyle, you set it aside and give it away as the Lord leads. But we, you know, you know what John Wesley did there, right? No, I have no idea. I never got to meet him. Uh, no, uh, come on. Well, maybe one day. Uh, I'm hoping one day I'll get to meet him. I think he'll be there when I get there. So John Wesley um, uh, capped his lifestyle. He he decided one year I'm going to cap my lifestyle, and if I make anything more than this, I'm going to give it all away. And um, and he did. And the equivalent was probably about ten thousand dollars of living expense today is what he capped his lifestyle at. And he said, anything more, I'm going to give away. And and the next year, um, it came around, and he actually got more, and he st- did the same. I'm going to keep the same cap. I'm going to give everything away. Every year, he did that. Every year, he was faithful to. By the time he died, he was living off of about $10,000 a year in equivalent to today's money, and he was giving away over $290,000 a year. And And he saw... Uh, he saw even little things that he had around his house, the the candlesticks, and he's like, I, I could I could have given this away. And, and the heart was, John Wesley was a man who was sold out for the glory of God and the joy of others. And that is what God has called us to do. If we are to obey Christ, if we're going to take God at his, uh, at his word, we are to see God as the greatest treasure of all, and we should live our lives so that others might know him and will too love him because God is due all the praise. Right. 
far more than the your fantasy football team is and far more than all this other stuff that we waste our time and our money on. God's glory demands that we that we delight in him and tell others about him and plead with others to trust Christ. But we get hung up on, should you even pray for the, your coworkers? And we get hung up on, should you, should you say a prayer when you're, when you're at lunch with them? God calls us to live radically, to tell people that God is the greatest thing in the world and that through Christ and his work that we can have a relationship with him. Guys, let's let's quit living this namby pamby. What you can milk toast, mamby pamby, weenie butt. Yes, milk toast Christian lifestyle. Are you sold out? That's a great way to summarize. Are you sold out for Jesus? Because that's really the, the when you when you look at, at what it takes. And, and Eric and I give you examples of how the Lord said, "Okay, I'm going to stretch you. I want you to take this step, and I'm not going to show you how I'm going to provide until you take mm-hmm. the step." And then you take the step, and He goes, "Okay, now I want you to take the next step, and I'm not going to show you how I'm going to provide until you take that step." Which is what. The Israelites had to do constantly, hey, put your feet in the water yep. and then watch what I do. Yep. Touch, throw the stick on the ground, then watch what I do. You know, go wash in the Jordan River seven times and then watch what I do. Go, I mean, go to the pool of Siloam and then watch what I'll do. I mean, we always have to take that first step. Are you sold out? Because we, when we look at our lifestyles, here's what's happening. A reckoning is coming in this country where you all have to declare who you really believe is God, because there's going to be a day when somebody goes, hey, are you a Christian? And if you say, absolutely, I'm a Christ follower, your head could get blown off. That's what's coming. People, you're going to be persecuted. You have to decide, are you really, are you all in? Are you all out? Because you, you know what? I work for him. That's right. I work for him. If you just happen to be tuning in right now, I just want we're talking with Eric Most today. If you missed the conversation, you're going to need to listen to the archive. I invite you to go out to iworkforhim.com, listen to the archive. This is a conversation that we need to be having every day. We don't have it every day, but we need to have it every day. We're talking about David Platt and his book, Radical. And Eric and I have read this book 2010 when we came out. And just the, just the paradigm shift to go back to what Christ really called us to. He called us to a radical lifestyle, a radical life change. But here's what Platt says in one of the pages. He goes, everything in, in creation responds in obedience to the creator. Everything's got or, order and organization. Until we get to you and me, we've got the audacity to look God in the face and say, No. Why is obedience so hard for us? Have you ever found yourself arguing with God over something he was speaking to you? I have. There's no question. So the question is, Eric, why is it we struggle so much with this radical call to obedience in Christ? Uh, Because we are more concerned with ourselves than for God and for his glory and the joy of others. Uh, I really think that um, we uh, truly are, um, as a whole, really selfish (laughs) and— and so we we really put a priority of on ourselves. And so when God tells us to do something, we it, it does. It's amazing the audacity that I have when God tells me to do something, and I just say no. Uh, and we feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit just to share Christ with with, with somebody. Maybe it's a coworker, it's somebody who's in in pain, and we say, ah, no, I got this better thing to do. Um, uh, we hear the background music going, yeah. and so uh, we don't have enough time, Jim. I understand. But I understand. We got to do another do you, show. Period. Do you love people? If you love them, you will tell them that joy can be found in Christ and Christ alone, and you'll plead with them to uh, trust Christ and live for Christ and not settle for the American dream. 
um, but truly live sold out for his glory. And I'm done. I know you can kick me off. Well, here's here's the deal. What, what Eric is saying is true. I mean, we have been called to radical obedience to Jesus Christ. And, and, and when are you going to start? I mean, now. Now's a good time. Hey, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him show. Fast-moving show with Eric Mose. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to Jose Cruz. Did a fantastic job engineering the show. Thanks to our show sponsors. Check, us out, check them out on iWorkForHim.com. These guys make a real big difference each and every day, keeping us online. Make sure that you thank them by doing business with them. Hey, take time tonight. Go out to iWorkForHim.com and join the nation. What did you learn today about how we're going to take this city for Christ? that our faith can impact the workplace by just being sold out asking ourselves the question are we sold out for jesus and if you're saying you know jim i'm a christian and i tithe i write a check to my trick like that's not what he's talking about i mean jesus looked at peter james andrew and john and said listen throw your business aside follow me i'm going to teach you a radical new lifestyle and they put their nets aside and got up and followed him Are you willing to do that? Why is it that we feel like we have the right to tell our Heavenly Father no? How many times have I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and just said, Is that the voice of the Holy Spirit? That's kind of inconvenient for me to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit right now. I don't want to be obedient. Why is it that we think we can tell God no when the creation doesn't say no? You and me need to be sold out for Christ. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, ultimately, I work for him. Yeah.